0: Sports Show presents House of Rugby. Hello and you're all very welcome to House of Rugby. My name is Moor Thraseniruil and joining me on this week's show to look back on round three of the Guinness Six Nations are Johnny Murphy and Lindsay Peet. How are we both doing? Yeah, Good,
1: good, good. Yeah, you got in from the rain
0: for... For a little while anyway,
1: yeah. This is two weeks in a row now. We've telepathically showed up in the cardigans. Mine's not as um, bright as yours, but listen,
0: we're so in sync, Lindsay. Um, mm-hmm. we'll start by looking back at Ireland's win, another bonus point win for Andy Farrell's side. That's their third bonus point win on the bounce now. It's been labelled clunky, sloppy, underwhelming in some quarters. Are we being overly critical now, Lindsay?
1: A little bit. I've thought about this, right? And I'm like, right, on one side, I've been a player and an athlete, and you're kind of like, you know how hard it is to come up against those teams that make it difficult. Like, I thought um, Wales were excellent in their defensive uh, setup. Uh, Their tackle tech, their chop tackles were ridiculous, which means they're chopping at source, which means they can keep a lot of players on their feet, their hold and fold. I just thought they were excellent, and they made life really, really difficult for Ireland. Now, We were also sloppy at times. And when we were putting phase together, we were far superior. But then there was times we had just these, I don't know, inconsistent moments which aren't like us, and Mm -hmm. those moments will come back to bite us up, bite us in the arse against maybe the likes of England, who are very tough at home and then Scotland, who could come to Ireland in the last round uh, with a lot of confidence. So it's kind of you're looking into the future, but you're we're getting over. We were good. And Jonah, you know I don't know Andy Farrell. I call him Faz, I think it's cool. We're, we're <laughs> You know, in my eyes, we're, we're buzzing buddies because I think he seems very like myself. You're so hard and you have this expectation. He is ruthless. If I was a player and I was him, knowing how, how capable we can be um, and we could have demolished Wales, I would be probably a little bit upset. But at the end of the day, we're still knocking records out of the park. We're still on track to be... The most tries scored, the least points conceded, could be pass- possible back-to-back Grand Slam. So I'll be forgiven if we come out on the mm-hmm. right side after the you know 16th of March, when hopefully we are, you know, for seeing, uh Grand Slam champions. But it's a long way to go, and I think that's where you're kind of looking at it. There's still bigger challenges to come. But I, look,
0: I think it's because we've set this bar so high for this Irish team that even with the bonus point win, if we're a small bit off the clinical. I suppose standards that we expect from this team—it just feels a bit flat. How do you feel about their performance a few days on, Johnny?
2: Um, yeah, like look, I think it was what everyone is saying—it was, it was a bit clunky, a bit inaccurate at times. Um, but I think you have to give credit to Wales. And turn, like, there was one ball in play set that I think lasted kind of nearly over five, nearly six minutes. And the one thing that Ireland are so good at are those ball and play sets and punishing teams in terms of how tired they get then in that space. Like it's one of the reasons that, um, you know, they do so well against the bigger sides, France. But to be fair, like, you know, Wales stayed in it and if they had an opportunity to kick the ball out a couple of times and be it through inaccuracy or not. They didn't. The ball stayed in play. And they ended up getting a turnover towards the end. And that's kind of unlike other teams because they don't have the capacity to go that kind of distance with Ireland. Um, But it was just a bit, you describe it as kind of a a potentially a kind of, you know, slow performance. It just lacked... You know, it lacked a tiny bit of energy. Um, You know, the atmosphere was probably off a small bit. They didn't have a lot to feed off then. Um, You know, the players, uh, that can all, all affect them. But I think the biggest thing was how they ended the game you know, to the clock in the red to hold the ball for that period of time and then to get that bonus point try, you know, gives them, you know, six points. They're six points, you know, ahead of everyone going into, you know, two games. So they have a proper chance whether grand slam or not, but they're kind of probably odds on to win it, you know, to to win a a, a championship regardless of, of what happens. You know, one win probably gets them that. So, um, yeah, it was kind of, up and down, and I think they'd be frustrated with their discipline, particularly in the second half, um, and kind of how that flipped. It particularly, you know, what what Wales gave away in the in the first half, and then it just completely flipped. So they have to work on their pictures there, um, and that allowed Wales to stay in the game probably more so than anything else. So, but all very very fixable, and something that going to Twickenham, you imagine, would be would would put in a a lot better performance mm-hmm. from in the overall.
0: Ireland felt completely in control in the first half and probably felt going in at halftime that they should have been further ahead. Why couldn't they kick on? Was that down to the defensive effort from Wales or was it inaccuracy on Ireland's side?
1: I think it's a combination. Like, I watched the Welsh players, so the chop tackles were excellent, but they, they stayed lying on the ground. When, they weren't in the way of the ball, but they did slow the, the support play mm. to clear that rook. They did make that ball really, really slow for, for Gibson Park, and that really impedes on the, the style Ireland want to play. So we rely on quick rook ball, no more than Leinster at three to five seconds. That's what you're looking at, moving that ball, because you want to isolate whether they've made poor hole and fall decisions, whether there's an isolation because players haven't folded in. So you're trying to look at those mismatches, whether you're outnumbering teams or you can take them on -on one-on-one and just continue to punch the holes because the quicker you can punch holes, it's so hard to get up on your feet and get back in a defensive line and keep hitting tackles like it's Mm -hmm. ridiculous. So um, Ireland had to work hard as well. They Mm -hmm. had to work very, very hard. Their tackle count was a lot, a lot of guys in double figures. Um, I think uh, Caelan Doris made 21 tackles Worked very, very hard, but we're probably not, we are wor- used to working hard on one side of the ball, but then we reap the rewards on the opposite side. So we work really hard in D and then we attack teams. Um, I'd be very surprised it wasn't longer, actually, that, mm. that, that ball and play that yeah, you're talking it was, about. It was, it was, it was, was kicking, it. Yeah. kicking, kicking. And I was like, so that really showed actually the fitness of Wales. Mm. Um, I thought they were exceptional because they also, not only did they bring work rate, they brought physicality. Mm. Um. And it was just a pity they didn't have anything to offer when on an attack. But I mean, when you're taking a young side with very little experience, what, you know, just over 400 caps, you know, cumulatively throughout the team, you can only work on one side of the ball. And I think if you can work on D, keep teams out, then you can hopefully live on maybe scraps on the attack. But um certainly impressed with a lot of their players. I really like Dwayne Wright. Mm-hmm. Um, you know I thought for all he could have been true for that little chip and chase Wainwright worked back and then he gave an absolutely exceptional kick uh, Cameron Winnett he looks like he's only made his confirmation a bit like a yeah. Capuzzo and I was like this lad is going to be absolutely blown over but he was exceptional like he was really exceptional I then thought he was going to go off because he got a bit of a cut in the eye mm. and he's a back and you know <laughs> they can be all three mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> you know I just thought you know with the time Gatlin's had and the the huge clear out they've done themselves really proud over the last three games Um But yeah, I think they were cute and I think Ireland will be disappointed. I just think we let ourselves down at certain times. I knew it would be a tough first half, but I thought in the second half they'd just kick off and Wales would just kind of give up and they never did. Mm. They never did. They were hard to kill off.
0: Yeah, there'll be a lot of positives for Warren Gatlin to take um, from this result, but looking at positives from Ireland's perspective, Andy Farrell mentioned their defence afterwards, and they've only conceded three tries in the competition so far. As Lindsay said, they had to make 190 tackles in that game. What do you like about how Ireland line out and how about how they go about their business in defending?
2: uh they just look very comfortable there like even when they whales were kind of hammering in on their, their you know in their in the Irish red zone where they're defending their own try line they just look very comfortable two man tackles in they slow the ball down and they keep on driving them back Um they haven't necessarily gone um, you know people were wondering at the start of the championship what ne- Barr's influence would be on the Leinster lads going in they haven't necessarily brought as much line speed as, uh, as Leinster are looking at bringing but they're making good decisions particularly in, a, in, in around behind the shape so if they're running off nine they're kind of third defender has said at that point they're allowing someone to push in through and they're getting a lot of rewards there but they're continuous, continuously making their tackles forcing them to, to ground and they're just eking out yards putting them back putting them back putting them back but they just look they looked very very comfortable there um, you know obviously the yellow card and, and the penalty try that prob- it, Whether it's a penalty try or not, he definitely changes his bind. It's fairly black and white in the rule book. He did change his bind. There were people there, might be a bit of a harsh call on the penalty try, but in general, they just look so comfortable in their system. Um, And they've really brought that forward over the last, you know, Simon Easterby's done an incredible job there. Um, But it's just how comfortable they are and how fit they look to be able to do it over and over and over and over and again and with change of personnel yeah as well. and everyone is just so comfortable in that space they all know their job they all know who they're lining up against and then if someone is their communication is kind of must be off the charts because if someone pushes through and gets out of the line he's automatically covered inside and outside by the by the two lads he's left in his in his connection so they yeah it's just how comfortable they all are and to be able to do it for long ball and play sets, just to their transition from um, from attack back into defence on turnovers, it's just so comfortable. It's just seamless in
1: in terms of how they do it.
0: England and Scotland, if they're looking at that, will they see any chinks in the armour?
1: Well, just to build on Johnny's point, I think it was an example of actually James Lowe against Italy. So I think mm-hmm. Crowley was on his inside and he looked like he was outnumbered, but he shot out of the line. But you can see him that he doesn't make a decision. He actually stays up on his feet till really, really late to see if he had to actually scoot out to the mm-hmm. extra men on the wing or did he have to make the tackle and he actually ended up making a gain line tackle. Now, yeah. I thought that was exceptional. And builds on yeah. I think the comms must be off the charts because he it looked effortless. So sometimes, you know, the Madeira in headlights when you're kind of mismatching, you normally go soft, but obviously, th- their system A is mm. so clear in what their game plan is. And then B, obviously, the comms to say you have license to go. And obviously, Crowley then must have said like he could slot in behind him to cover mm. that 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 tackle. And then obviously, the full back will come in to, mm. to cover that in, in the line if they have to as well. So um, that probably adds on to their their... I suppose, when things are effortless like that, so game plan and comms, you're not actually exhausting. You're working more efficiently in defence mm-hmm. and that what that. Well, and it's it clarity, that, isn't it? It's huge. And when you have that, you actually enjoy D mm-hmm. and they look like they're enjoying D. Um, like when you have that clarity around you, you're actually hungry to make tackles. You're hungry to get back up on your feet and you're hungry just to put the opposition back on their arse behind the game line. That, that actually instills huge, huge momentum and grinds the opposition down mentally and just, you know, invisibly invigorates yourself and keeps um, recharging the energy but um, is there any chinks in the armour f- for coming up against it well I think for me now line out was poor we had a couple of overthrows it was the first time like I thought right overthrows first one or two absolutely you're going to maybe have that until the hooker gets his, his thrown right but the timing with the the throw and the jump was very off and and consistently so so that would be a key area when you've married when you've a Toje in there mm. um, and uh, what's his name Ollie? the second role Ollie uh, Chisholm yeah Ollie yeah. Chisholm in there who are big big guys get up yeah. off the ground I think they'll be studying our set piece because that really I think caused a bit of problems you know what was really good launch ball for the previous two test games it you know it kind of really interrupted our momentum considering the scrum was so good uh, so I think they will, they will absolutely target that and I think they'll target the breakdown if they're going to pick anything up from the Wales game and kind of made it a bit of a dogfight as well at the breakdown I think they'll target those two <laughs> Um, And then usually with P. Romani, who likes to fight with a pillowcase, they'll probably attack him (laughs) as well. So I think there are areas, you know, we're we're not great when we slow the ball. You know, we kind of sometimes look like we ran out of ideas. Um, We were relying on the likes of, um, you know, Crowley was probably quiet. Did he control the game as much as 10? That was probably his first test, really, to see how he was going to be on the management side of things. Um, But look, the bomb squad come on, I thought they added great energy. Ryan only that offload if you could have got it you made a great break so I think we're still in a good spot so I think there will be areas and we've two weeks now to fix it
0: Yeah the bench had a huge impact didn't it Johnny when it came on on the scrum dominance we were speaking a few weeks ago about Andrew porcher and I suppose the narrative around um, his role when it comes to the scrum and what the referees I suppose the pictures that he's painting mm. um, they were completely in control against Wales Have they changed the narrative a small bit, do you think, when it comes to this group?
2: Yeah, well, I think it's something that's been spoken about a lot across all media channels. And it's something that, um, you know, the referees are probably being forced to notice. And it was clear on, you know, on Saturday that it was who's going forward. And some referees, regardless of, Pictures that they see, they have a view that once you're dominant and you go forward, then you get the rewards. Um, there's not a lot of change and you look at other people in their review of of the game and his pictures are very similar between the kind of quarterfinal against New Zealand to what they are uh, were on Saturday, but it's then down, down to interpretation. But I think that there is... Enough chatter about it, and there's obviously communication, like every week between the referees, between coaches and referees, and they ha- they do all of those conversations earlier in the week, so they're seeking clarity on that. What pictures can he paint to be better? And I think now it's probably you know the referees are are are, are being forced into not having preconceived ideas and looking at the matchups one v one in those positions and trying to make clear calls around if a bind drops or someone loses their bind rather than it being on you know it's an easier decision for them if if someone elbows if someone elbows drop or or they drop their bind or or that rather than if someone's going forward but his hips are out or you know what's this? I I think they're probably looking for those and trying to get those those get out but Everyone's been talking about it. So it's human nature.
1: The refs are obviously standing up and having a look at it as well.
0: Speaking of elbows dropping, do you see the picture? I did, yeah. <laughs> Peter um, Romani holding his elbow up.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I was trying to put myself in that position. Well, one, you be grateful. Mm. But, like, I did notice that because, obviously, I played loose. So I used mm. to always prefer a long bind because mm. if you're up against a big tie head, you could. I used to use their, was well, different with women, mm. but I used to use nearly their hip bone as, like, mm you know, torque for me so I could really lock that elbow out and then it'd keep me somewhat sane on 50% of me now. I've obviously Mm. a big set of hips that Mm. were, I'd be relying on my my flank to, to help me out there but I do agree, similar to Mr Porter, when you're in the referees bad books, you kind of, you're not given that leniency. You really have to win the Mac. I think we spoke about this before and on, on the previous show. And, you know, he's done well. Like, he was probably unlucky. We probably didn't get enough reward with how, how dominant we were in the scrum. But he was unlucky on one where we, we, we wheeled and he probably... Wanted to really show that off, and you get to a place of comfort and you just want to go for it. But, um, yeah, he'd thank Pete, but we're probably lucky we didn't get called for that. What either. about
0: him throwing the boot away?
1: Yeah, I <laughs> was like, Oh, Jesus, we have our own Joe Marler here now. He won't, he won't thank me for that. But it was a bit of cracking. Do you know what? I was at the game, and I do agree. I think, like, there was a little cohort there of Welsh um, fans up on the upper stands in their, in their little daffodils um, and they were great crack and they were starting singing there was a bit of rendition of Fields of Athenry, but nothing really picked up and I think you know if we do come down to it well regardless when we get back home in Scotland in the last round of the championship I think you know if you're at the match and let that hopefully the players will give us something to cheer about and vice versa because the place is absolutely electric when it's there so yeah it was a bit subdued now at the same time I wasn't singing because I was so intent to play in every game so I mean I have to hold up my own hand um, so I'll have to make sure I start singing now from I'm there the yeah, next Maybe day.
0: it's hard to get up for a game when the result really is never in doubt but looking at um, you mentioned the penalties so looking at things that they'll be focused on ahead of England so they played 20 minutes of that game with 14 men and discipline is an area that has come up before for Ireland like they've given up 37 penalties so far, averaging 12 per game. Is there one area in particular where you're seeing Ireland concede or is it individual errors?
2: Um probably um you know something that they need to be better on is, you know, I, I think around the the rook area, um, you know, they need to make sure that they they've good entry points into that because teams are looking at them because we try and create so much so much our ball to be so quick we have to make sure our entry points are good Uh, and then in that it's stopping anyone like Tommy Rafael is something that was a positive after weekend is probably one of the best groundhog sevens in you know any of the four home nations and like he didn't get a sniff at the weekend Mm. so that's something that they need to layer on as well um, but uh, I I think it's just their overall pictures that that they can be better on. They probably want to get that number down underneath ten, if not eight, and then I, I think kind of in and around that eight to ten mark at international level is where you need to be. But it's also where they're giving the penalties away. Um, is really important that you don't want to give away too many in your kind of in between the tens because that's giving teams you know easy entrance and they give them an opportunity to launch inside your 22 so I think it's the area that that they can kind of push the boat out a bit more that they don't want to give them away in between those 10s with, with teams that have good malls or good launch platforms is a big thing
1: And I think that would be a key against England. Because if you look at England now, obviously there's a lot of criticism coming in from that. On one hand, they want to change uh, their style of play. But on the other hand, they're getting wins because they're taking the oppositions in in discipline and they're kicking penalties. So George Ford has been knocking on and he did it at the World Mm. Cup as well. So they were very smart in how they manage games and how they manage teams and looked probably at their own area weakness and where they could... I suppose, target teams and get and get on top. And if we're indisciplined in, in, in our, what we call, what Johnny would call mm. the red zone, so kickable areas, um, which he's just mentioned there, that we will be on the back foot. Yeah, then if you you're down to that. a yellow card, um, I do think we struggled that time on the mall. Mm. Um, obviously, we got the yellow card for, for Tighe, uh changing his bind. Um, then James Ryan, the same thing. Now, that was a team yellow, so it was just continuous. But we, we seem to go in spurts. So if we're going to go in these spurts of of indiscipline. I think that is another area England will target because they are big. They are a big unit. If they get in and they will maul against us, they will cause us problems and they'll just keep chipping away. Mm. Um, And like you said, it's very hard then to Stay on side because when you're really pinned back on your five metre line, you have no momentum to push them back. You know, you are relying on really disciplined timing of double tackles and pushing them back and and really working, working hard. So, yeah, I think they need to be cleaned up and no international team is successful. Well, no team be successful if you go into double figures with penalties. Mm -hmm. They're
0: probably happy to give away, not happy, but content to give away one or two penalties because of the pressure that they put on teams, they are competing the mm. whole time. But just as long as Lindsay was saying that it's not in these clusters. Mm.
2: Yeah. And I think it's when to push the boat out and when not to push to be on the line they seem to be on the line and go past the line a bit too much and their D is so good that they can afford to be a bit more patient at picking their times picking their moments because their D is so I don't know what he spoke about how comfortable they are in that D so they're like Ryan you can have the ball you know but it's choosing and picking the moments when to go after it and like you say like you know Lindsay already said team yellow for Ryan it's then okay Well, we've given one away they're in our 22 Let's just stick to script here, uh get good shape on our on our d keep coming off the line, and then pick and choose your correct moment on that um there's a like Gibson Park, and what they do very well, Gibson Park are penalized for kind of crawling through the rook. It's their work post tackle um particularly on their tackler assist that they're excellent at, and they force an extra cleaner or two to come into that, but they're getting penalized a bit there by pushing the boat out so um, it's clear there's comms there for Gibson Park's run, just picking out one example. He's like, Stop, stop, and he's crawling through, you're not allowed to crawl through in your hand. So when he's in that position, he's already attracted one guy. He doesn't need to continue out the far side of the rook because that's where he's giving away the penalty. It's just it's just being on the line and trying and picking and choosing your moments when to go up, go over. When you go over, sometimes you get away with it, sometimes you don't. Mm-hmm. But it's to not continuously push that that, that barrier from a dissonant perspective.
0: Yes, yeah, so just finding that balance. There yeah. were a lot of um, strong individual performances, Lindsay, on Saturday. Who stood out for you? Uh, well, I thought
1: Bundiaki um, mm. and Robbie Henshaw were absolutely excellent in the centre. Robbie Henshaw is back to his best. I listened to his postmaster interview and um, I think it was Ashley. Farrell or Farrelly from off the ball last him you know, oh, Ashley and Riley Ashley and Riley sorry Ashley um, she asked him who you know you're in the form of your life and uh, it is key he just said it's just about getting consistent of games and consistent of games and being you know performing builds his confidence and you can absolutely see that like he was key other than the little he's obviously big paws and the ball hit off him, so we didn't know where the ball goes in it happens to the best of us but other than that uh, he was absolutely exceptional as the offensive reads his footwork on attack he was he's he's just been making game lines since the start of the championship you know he was key to um, was a Calvin Nash's try mm-hmm. against France you know uh, his offload off the ground to to Caelan Dorison who who shifted the ball so I thought he was excellent and I thought Bundy was a little wrecking ball in the first half as well especially when we were struggling to kind of get momentum he was he was certainly key to that and I just thought um, I thought Kieran Frawley needs a shout out I just thought you know he did the basics exceptionally well and I think he was as I would have taught myself prior to the game Warren Gatlin is going gonna, is gonna, to you know, target him because he was—he's new in he's big shoes to fill. You know, Hugo Keenan is world class, so um, I thought he did things very well. And I thought at times he actually started to build in confidence and he stepped into that ten position, uh, which was nice. You know, they had that kind of tandem working with Crowley where he could step in, um, and their understanding when say, for all he caught high balls, then you could see Crowley covering, covering the mm. backfield Um, because I think there was definitely one kick where it got turned over mm. and it was straight back into the backfield to put us under pressure. So, now, James Lowe is kind of a different animal. He kind of nonchalantly sauntered back and decided he take on two Welsh <laughs> fellas just to show off. Mm. But, um, yeah, I think it's key. Uh, Just on that previous point of the breakdown, like, there's times, actually, I thought we could have gone after certain breakdowns we didn't. Like, there was a... Lovely uh, chase, kick chase from Calvin Lash and he made a great tackle. Um, I can't remember who it was, but like at that side, when we're winning game, like we should be piling in to counter-rook and we kind of mm. didn't. It was just Josh Vanderville. Then there's other times where McCarthy's kind of forcing um, kind of counter-rook or the ball is there. And
0: What's so, that down to? Decision-making? Yeah, just on the fly? yeah,
1: sometimes like if you're going to really, you know, Usually it's not going to be in the first couple of phases. Like, it's going to be kind of phases four, five, six, where, like, oppositions are running out of numbers. And that's when, like, Johnny made a great point. We do put teams under pressure to commit more players. So if you think if they're committing to the first, second, maybe third, then they're going to run out of numbers unless they're really working their ass off. So that's kind of when you're deciding to be disciplined and, and attack. But the aggression of Porter and McCarthy and we can see that they were two of the highest and listen again this is from personal experience you want to make things happen but in rugby definitely one of my stern learnings is you have to nearly wait for the opportunity to come to you and make those better decisions and I think in the next two rounds they will be key for us.
0: On Frawley, um he scored a try on his first Six Nations debut. Did you like what you saw from him? Um, I suppose he wasn't put under the pressure that we expected him to be put under in the backfield.
2: Uh, yeah, I was uh, very impressed. I think what he did, and Lindsay already uh, mentioned, it was uh, the ability to play both sides of the ball, and having two tens on the pitch uh, on the pitch allows you to do that. He he popped into that. Um, blindside roll very well organized uh, did a couple of really good interchanges where he might be at 10 and Crowley's outside him and vice versa um yeah all in all you'd be very happy with it um and I think in general um you know his backfield cover was good um scores a nice try you know uh, in the second half um wasn't really tested, but all in all, you'd be very happy, good, mm. solid performance. But I did really like from an attacking perspective what he gives by being able to play both sides of the ball. um, And that's something a bit different to, to, to what Keenan gives you. So it's an opportunity there, even if they wanted to change up the bench and go six and two. You, you know, he can go on in the backfield and, and, you know, he can cover everyone else. You can move things around that gives you an added layer on your attack that um, you know, defenders are going to have to stick on the blind, creates more space out wide. And particularly in the system that we play, having the forward really in the five metre channel and sticking to that five metre channel, uh, it just gives us so much width and forces them to to mark both sides. He tried road.
1: to isolate that him and Crowley, didn't they yeah. with the little chip across? Yeah. Um, he's an exceptional pass, was not he? Mm. Like for the length of his pass and how flat it can stay. Uh, you tried to really because Wales's line speed was good, so obviously you're trying to that second line of attack being really deep negates that. But obviously then the mm. isolation that we see, we saw in the in the five meter, and we we did try to exploit exploit that. But, but like Wales' scramble defence as well was yeah, was excellent. They've done a lot of work on it, obviously um, mm. Wales, and and you could see that. And as I said, there it's testament to them. But you know, after Italy's performance the weekend, you know, for all their endeavour, they could be easily. Uh, the wooden spoon guys, which which I think would be unfair.
0: Yeah, but um, it's great that we're just on the players and the personnel that Ireland have, and I suppose when you were sp- speaking about Robbie Henshaw and Bondiaki and Gary Ringrose is expected to be back fit, that we're building this depth the whole time, and there are a few. I suppose, decisions to be made ahead of England.
2: Oh, yeah, 100%. And I think that it's how comfortable, we've already spoke about how comfortable feel everyone seems to feel within their defensive system. It's how easy, you know, people are fitting into the slots, whether they come in whether they're on the bench, they start, they're out of the squad and then they come straight back in. You know, you look at Stuart McCluskey's uh, involvements for that, for that tackle that forces the turnover that gets us ball back towards the end. And that's someone that probably hasn't had great club form. um But, you know, he's been <coughs> really good when when he's come into Ireland. You look at Calvin Nash and his work rate off the ball. um You know, like he's the final pass for James Lowe, Lowe's try. He's you know, nearly you know, the dimensions of rugby, which is only fifty five metres off his wing, but he's doing that all mm-hmm. the time. Um and it, they just seem to have a a squad now of twenty eight to thirty two guys that can slot in at any stage and you look at Ollie Jaeger; like he wasn't even in the initial squad. He was one of the guys that was brought in as a development mm-hmm. player. Um and he slotted in seamlessly when he came off the when he came off the bench. So yeah, they just everyone just like just seems to get it whatever the coaching staff are doing there doesn't seem to be any confusion there's no it's so different to England like everyone knows the top 34 35 players in the country know what what they're trying to do how they're trying to do it and when they're asked to do it they do it themselves so everyone just seems to get it. it and it's 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 great to watch and see and see that the depth that they they are they are building. And Tygie's
1: back. Tygie Furlongs back yeah. playing yeah. well. You know we players back playing well. I thought Kelleher did exceptionally well when mm. uh, when Sheen went off. Um, you know them Porter's last seventy two minutes I think it was yeah. before the time Keane Healy comes on because they're just in a great place. You yeah. know and they've so many options. Even a Bard comes on a back row, but you could could you slot a minute second row if if worse came to it absolutely you could. So,
0: the 6-2 um, split seems to be working. Will we see it again against England?
1: I wouldn't be surprised if we did, it, you know, because England are big units, so it'll be more so, again, I think, you know, uh, to get fresh impetus in, it'll probably come down to, again, the back. So, yeah, I think with the utility players we have, it'll be, who it comes down to who, who's available, but I would see him going possibly 6-2 for England and then back to 5-3 against Scotland.
0: Ireland will know they have to they They have a few more gears in them, and they'll um they'll want to bring it up another level again when they face um England and Twickenham. Will we see them change their game plan in any way to get over and exploit that space in that rush defense that we see from England?
2: Uh, not really because I think that they've shown in previous years against South Africa about you know their short passing game um you know they have they play the most short passes of of any team in the world, really. And short passes mean you can't bring line speed because there's no ball and air time. It's there, uh, and you're forcing the blitz to make a decision on on two players that are running into two channels, be it inside and outside shoulders. I don't think so. I think with their short passing game and how they're set up in their system and kind of their three two one one, it allows them create. Uh, soft shoulders and then on a blitz, if you manage to get soft shoulders once in a phase of five, regardless of how much gain line they've got over the first four phases, when they have to retreat, then it's the speed of ball that allows you then go to the edge and that's where you really catch de- uh, uh, blitz defences out and I think they're just set up to do that. And then their kicking game, Particularly with holding the the forward in that five meter channel, they can always go to the air to kick to that space that is there anyway on a blitz. So I I don't I don't think so. Um, you know if they went away and tried to trying to throw long balls and different things, that's where the blitz can eat you up because ball and air time allows you to make good decisions. But when it's you know there's three or four or two short passes, you're always guessing and and it's very hard to control your feet with the amount of line speed that England are trying to bring. For parts, they haven't really got there yet, but they seem to be doing it. And I think England's big problem is like, you know, from a back's perspective, you know, Van der Merver's first try, like, that's like that sinful D by yeah. who is potentially one of the best 13s in, you know, the four home nations. But like, they bring way too much speed there. And, you know, Henry Save making that decision to, and he's engaging with, you know, with, Finn Russell's eyes is not the you know the one person in world rugby you don't want to do that because his sleight of hand is so good and to play that it's just yeah it, it just seems they're bringing they for me they seem to be bringing it at the wrong time and that's just a learning they just have to to get used to to when and when not to bring it but. Yeah, it was, it's was. it been poor so far from an overall from England.
0: Well, chatting about England, Scotland now, it finished 30-21. Um, we saw English dominance early on. Would you credit Scotland in the way that they came back and took control of that game? Or was were England, you know, were they, I suppose, architects of their own downfall, the way they let Scotland back into the game?
1: Yeah, when the, like, obviously... Johnny said there, so england are they don't have the they're building the clarity and the system for for their d, and when they get it right they're they're going to be probably a force to be reckoned with, so they're really good when they're comfortable in that that you know when everything is um, i suppose predictable for the want of a better word, so they're grand in that setup. When it went to broken play and they started making line breaks, they're at six and sevens and they can't make a decision. So there's no comms, there's no clarity around that, there's poor decisions. Um now Vander Merva is an exceptional athlete. He's he's one try off, I think um equaling Stuart, rec- Stuart Hogg's record and, and then two obviously which I can see him possibly mm. doing by the end of the championship now Stuart Hogg is a long time playing for Scotland so to absolutely take that um title and smash it you know is is ex- is testament to to the athlete he is but yeah like they allowed Finn Russell to be in the game he's exceptional when he's opened up and he can make those choices he's just like um he's like a point guard on a fast break you know in basketball and he's a joy to watch um so I thought in, uh, Scotland were well worthy of their win in the end Um, so I think it was a combination of you know coming out what they were comfortable with but obviously then allowing the kind of game to scoot suit Scotland and their players and they, they just um, took over that and took advantage of it to be honest
2: yeah I, I, I just think England were in my opinion were definitely makers of their you know architects of their own downfall you look at Van der Merva's I think his second try and the turnover like that ball goes through 15's hands and it nearly hits him in the face like it's a mm. it's a turnover where they actually have an opportunity to score because it's one pass. They have three guys outside. It's kind of like a 4v3 or a 4v2 on the outside and they just don't don't execute. The first 10 to 15 minutes when they went 10 nil up, they played a really good brand of rugby. They were accurate. They seemed to have a system very similar to Ireland in terms of how they were shaping up. And then they just forgot that. Mm. And, you know, you even look at their last try, that's not within a framework. That's just a winger being busy asking nine to scoot and then he scores, creates a, you know, something down the short side. That's kind of instinct. But it's not framework where you look at their first ten minutes, fifteen minutes, and they have a they seem to have a clear framework. When I was watching and I was going, okay, this is what they're trying to do. They're gonna play a bit more, um, And they set up similar enough to Ireland. They're going to play on top of teams, uh, use George Ford's passing game. And then it just stopped, you know, and their pass, like their basic catch pass, particularly from 13 out, was just so poor in the last kind of 60 minutes that you're like, what? Mm. You know, they just. So is it the
0: execution of the game plan that's letting them down or do they not have the players to execute the game plan they want they
2: do have the players in my opinion because you look at what teams like Quinns and Northampton and um, Exeter Exeter, you know how they've built how Rob Baxter has completely transformed and rebuilt there you know what Sam Vesti is building in um, you know in Northampton Uh, like they've all those guys have really really good form but he's kind of chopping and changing and like When they get out of that they go to the air but you know Freddie Stewart's not playing so why are you going to the air when you're not picking your best player who's in the air? What's what's going on? So unlike the English rugby fraternity and having played over there and knowing the guys and chatting to them over the last couple of weeks like It hasn't been a good run for Steve Borthwick. Yes, he made a a World Cup semi-final and was within a a couple of minutes of winning. Was that predominantly down to conditions and also probably the draw? I would say yes, but they still look rudderless. And, you know, the the English public are not necessarily that patient. They're not as bad as the French. They're crying out for change now already. Yeah, and so they have to nail their colours to the mast a bit. They've been very public, about the blitz and what they're doing in D, that's fine so they're getting allowances there because they know what they're doing and what they're committing to and how long that's going to, but their attack they look lost they don't they look okay they go right we're going to kick or oh, no we're not oh we are we're going to play and they look half okay doing both which is it you know yeah. and it's it's just it's a frustration i think from the rugby public over there that there's pressure is going to start to build and build and build because they're not getting better every week you yeah. know I think that's a frustration from the, the English English rugby public over there it's
1: probably frustrating for all of us really because you're, you're expecting them to be better and yeah. you kind of and they've quality players like yeah they do who they can
2: pick and you know, you look at the centre pairing of, you know, of what it could be when Manu's back fit or, Lawrence, you know, Slade, they're back three, um, you know, and how these guys are shooting the lights out with, you know, with Bath, with Northampton, with Exeter, uh, Quinns. But, you know, what, you know, Dan Cole, I played with Dan, like, Okay, he is still probably one of the best scumagers, but who's coming behind him? What What? what are, are, you know, are they going to develop? Are they not? You know, it's it's just, they just, uh, for me, they just seem a bit rudderless at the moment. Will but he make
0: changes? Should he make changes ahead of Ireland? Marcus Smith is due <clears> back.
1: I think at this stage they have nothing to lose they're not playing for anything now really do you know they're playing for pride they're playing for backing up what they're saying they're doing and and I do agree with Johnny like you look at them week in week out in European competition and I think they're absolutely being some of the team like Extra are a joy to watch um, yeah. Quinns are a joy to watch now you don't know what they're helter skelter mm. but it works for them because that's their game plan and the, the personnel that are comfortable in that and I don't think that's transferring from what is actually what they're displaying in a league that is now up to date with the probably new age standard mm. of rugby and the new age player of rugby and it's not transferring into an national team and that's because the likes of Dan Cohn and Joe Marler are still there of the old guard and the old systems. Like if you look at Ireland, everything, even Munster have changed. They're probably speed of is quicker than Leinster's now at the minute and they're reaping the rewards of being able to play what's in front of them as well as mix them what, what is their set game plan that they can launch off. So that isn't, and I agree with Johnny and it's a good point and at this stage it's probably one that we say just... Decide on what you're playing. If you're going for a kicking game, pick the personnel that'll play that for you. But you're going to play this expansive rugby that you're, let's be honest, like chirping on about. Mm. Put your money where your mouth is. Pick the players that'll play that for you and trust them. Because you can't be... And it will
0: take a little bit of pressure off him as well if he's saying, look, like Warren Gatlin's doing, put faith in the younger players... And just a change of personnel.
1: There's a bit of there's a bit of growth for Wales. There was a bit of growth for Wales. I've had a bit of growth for Wales. Grand, I know players that are Welsh and I know how proud they are as a nation. But there's a bit of growth that they're actually playing and there's a bit of endeavour and they're, you know, they're getting stuck in and they're they're trying things. they're making
0: changes and they're not afraid to 100
1: percent just trust it. And it's not against the players who have served England exceptionally well. But it's time now for if you want a new bridge, you have a new cycle building up to a World Cup. And what is on show and doing very well in Europe for you, trust them and put them into your international setup because that's the only way it's going to work. Mm-hmm. That's what's working for Ireland. Our provinces are playing mm-hmm. that style of rugby and it's transferring with a little bit of alteration. But the foundations are there. That's what's yeah. why it's working for us. It's the same with France. Like Look at the top 14 and how expansive they are. Now we'll go on to probably Italy and France. They went to a different game plan, but it's essentially... The French Shuey, goes from their top fourteen, and it'll transfer international team. That's yeah. the way life works.
0: Well, before we move on from Scotland, England, what do we learn about Scotland after that result?
1: Uh,
2: I think they they're on a you know a really good vein of form in terms of you know. Uh, being confident enough to go win a game um, they were clear in terms of where they probably lost their way a bit against France in terms of how they wanted to play um, they played you know a really good passing game uh, good kicking game like good attacking kicking game you know particularly for Van der Meer's like off turnover again they're holding with and they're kicking to that space rather than the aimless kicking that we saw against France um, but I think it was the ability to deal with the pressure of being favourites at home after a loss against England. They had a bit of a slow start, but then when they got into it, they looked very, very comfortable in that. And that was a huge game for them from a mental perspective because of how they lost before uh, against France. They were on a low. They were expecting in terms of even how they were hoping that it would be a Grand Slam decider more or less Paddy's day in Dublin. That's what they were building up to. That's what the talk Mm. was. They were going to be Ireland's biggest threat. So... There's a lot of pressure on them, and they they delivered at home, which was which was really good. Um, and they'll again they'll build more confidence from that. Uh, they'll kick on, and they'll come here depending on other results with a, potentially a chance of winning it maybe. Um, but
0: they probably should have kept playing for the bonus point. I think though.
2: that's the thing that you know, and people you know they have to decide. Then um, you know like that's the difference between Ireland, like there were, there were nine points down, I think it was, 60 seconds left, they're going to win, they need a bonus point there in the context of the thing, mm. if it was flipped to Ireland, Ireland would keep playing, yeah, you know, yeah, there'd be yeah. no way they, they'd stop with the with, you know, knowing in terms of what, but, they just felt it was good enough just to get a win. I think they need to make that decision on that. You know, they have to be better at, the, at that. Um, and it's little things, even you go back to the France game, in terms of their initial D setup that allows France to get into their their half, was a bit all over the place. Um, so they just need to be get up to that, I, I I think. But that is something that the last kind of minute or two, or, you know, last 30 seconds when they mm. kick the ball, you're like, oh, one on play like yeah, you know yeah. just but look they got the win and, and that was what they needed and what they wanted
0: and finally France Italy oh my god what a dramatic finish to that game Um, it finished 13-13 and Italy were so close to beating France at home for the first time in the Six Nations uh, we'll start with the Garbisi kick there was so much going on on the pitch at the time should he have been given <sighs> another chance to reset the kicking tee and just the, clock, the shot clock Reset again, and no, I
1: don't think we needed to even reset the shot clock. Obviously, the, it's counterintuitive to what they wanted the shot clock to yeah. do with with the with the rule in place that mm. you know if it comes off the tee, you can reset it, and there's no, you know, no French players mm. allowed move because it's a penalty. Like just stop, just pause the shot clock. He doesn't have to reap the rewards of getting the full time again. Just let him reset the fucking, you know, mm. the ball. Yeah. Like it was. Absolutely ridiculous. But the poor Italians didn't even fight that. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? No one on the sideline fought it. And the thing about, look, the French are, they're cute. Do you know, Mm -hmm. if it's not the video gone missing for a replay, you know, they're well entitled and they will push the laws. And that's up to them. It's up to
0: water carrier in the middle. of
2: (laughs) But I think that's something and everyone's talking about the TMO and all of this. That's something that the TMO can come in because to be fair to the referee, He's looking at this going, oh, my God, this is Italy. And it, oh, he'll probably deny it. But any human yeah. would be going, if this goes over, this is Italy's first ever win in France. Right. OK, then the ball drops off the tee. So he's going, all right. Then he tells the first guy to stop charging. Then he tells the second guy stop charging. Yeah. And yeah. like, there's so much going on. Why can't the TMO come in and say, OK, by the way, you can if he misses, you reset, you go yeah. forward 10 metres because there's so much going on for the referee in that and it's like the previous week with the French try like we have to make it easier and use the technology and use that um it is like it's so, it's a good thing for the game to have that but it has to be used correctly yeah. like when that happens and it's the final second i i doubt any referee in the world will reset that because no. there's just so much going on <laughs> and so where the if the if the tmo can go okay but well, that's fine. We don't reset the, the shot clock. But what we do is if he misses, he gets another go yep. because of X, Y and Z. And yeah. then straight away, that comes in his ear when the France captain runs charging at him and he's like, no, no, the rule is... This, this, and this, yeah. and then no one because can, the rule is there. Well, white, the, oh, right. right. yeah, it's black and right. white. Like, he should have had another, um, Shop another go, go 10 meters in front, 10 meters close to the post. That's what the rule is.
1: And he could have taken a breath in between that, and yeah. I have no doubt he would have put it over. Like, yeah. he yeah. was exceptional. Like, Italy broke my heart. My dad's in yeah. for he, he had surgery, and I was up with him, and we watched the game. and I'm roaring in the ward, <laughs> like, we both were, but I was like, come on, because I suppose the. Like the Italians, they were they were superb in the second half. How they played, I didn't think they were going to be able to keep up defensively. Uh, I thought their defense was excellent. They hunted high every time. There was a you know a camera which was kind of wide from up above, and you could see just how 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 brilliant they were at hunting high. So um, even though France negated initially that kind of blitz defense, they were you know they had them covered and and cut off the space out wide. So France w- weren't able to to do anything. And then they were so frustrated. They were trying to chip balls. They overpass balls. It was going out like it was a poor day for France. Um, but yeah, Italy, I thought yeah,
0: it was just agonizing for Italy again. And are you seeing enough from them to indicate that they are making progress?
1: Hugely. Yeah. Uh, Menoncello, uh, I always want to call him Lemoncello. But anyway, mm-hmm. he was absolutely sublime. Vex was brilliant in the centre. Um the Garbisti brothers were, were excellent. Uh Iwane was unbelievable the meters he carried. I thought he worked tirelessly, he was disciplined, um, he did everything good for Italy on both sides of the ball. Um I thought initially, you know, it was, I just kept seeing white chairs going into mm-hmm. the breakdown. I thought they were going to run out of numbers because they seemed to have to work very hard uh, to look after their own ball. They didn't give away these ridiculous offloads. Do you know, at times, the, the Italian flair seems to ooze through and they just want to give this ex- exceptional pass. But there was a couple of times where I thought the ball was going to be flung, it's going to be turned over, but they just kept it. And they just kept building fla- phases. And the amount of phases they put together just continuously winning game line, being disciplined, and then Caputzo gets over in the corner. I just thought they were brilliant and I, I I really feel sorry for them because France wanted to go kind of at the juggler, really overpower them. Um they went away from what their, their normal game plan is and I'm not sure it suited them. They just didn't know how to manage it from them and I'm still not um with Jaliber and and, and Luku I'm I'm still not mm. um too sure on them now.
0: Yeah what's going on with France it feels like a ridiculously long hangover <laughs>
1: uh,
2: Yeah I think they're just uh, I think you know when you talk to guys that are playing over there or you hear what the guys that are playing over there at the moment what they're saying is like they felt that the World Cup was their theirs to win you know like and I think it's really just taking the complete wind out of their sails then you know the best player in the world is going to play sevens it's just been a series of things that has just and, you know, reports would be that Galtier is quite a difficult guy to deal with in terms of, you know, when things aren't going that well. So it's just been a, been a struggle for them and they're just... He really, doesn't have a good really relationship, off. does he? Yeah, it, it just does, and you wouldn't be surprised if he's you know by the end of the tournament he's not there anymore. Given the what's president going of on, the FFR
0: know. said Galtier's position is absolutely not in danger, but yeah, they're French that could change yeah. in an instant. Yeah,
2: uh, it's just you know I, they're just off, and there's just something missing, um, right. and whether that's the 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 Dupin spark or you know they need someone like Entomac back, you know it's it they're just not. It's it's just, it looks kind of sour at the moment, really. When you, you know? look back
0: at the World Cup and how they demolished Italy mm. and it was light and day to what we saw from them on Sunday yeah
2: and I think to be fair like Italy are really improving like you know you see what their 20s are doing they obviously won on uh, on the weekend they pushed Ireland but like in terms of the six nations from an under 20 perspective and even at say like 18s you know I was uh, with the Irish 18s development squad this, this summer last summer and like Italy were the best team out of the four sides that went and by a long way But
0: it hasn't been. Yeah, it hasn't come through yet. yet.
2: And the guys that are playing now at the moment, they're not used to beating France in those kind of melting pot games where probably from 22 down, they are. So when they come, you know, when they're 24, 25, it'll be like, sure, we've done this you know since we're teenagers yeah. mm-hmm. so we just go and do it and i think that's something that they probably that they are going to see over the next number of years um come to fruition and it'll be great for for everyone but i think everyone with that penalty they just you know they wanted italy to to get over the line unfortunately you know
0: france if nothing else have luck on their side the way they won the last two rounds in the competition why aren't we seeing as you mentioned the the gameplay we see from these talented, skillful players every week in the top 14 and in Europe transferred to the national team, is there, that they're not clear on what style of play they're playing at the moment? It seems to
1: me like when they get into an arm wrestle that they don't have that kind of... Yeah, they don't... They're not using their forwards to gain momentum again and start their phases going. Like, Ireland will have a plan to launch off, whether that's a line-out or a scrum or just building the phases. Like I'm very surprised because and um, and Jalibert play at Bordeaux, so it's not like that halfback pairing is is new either. I certainly think they're missing DuPont after his exhibition on the Seventh Circuit when he was questioned that he wouldn't, you know, the Australians, um, how dare they say he wouldn't be able to transfer at sevens and then he kind of yeah. proved them wrong. Then Knocked he obviously Ireland broke out. broke <laughs> Irish hearts with his, um, yeah, his blindside tribe. It's like, Jesus Christ, this man. Um, but I do think they're missing his energy. I do think they're missing that he is the je ne quoi there because mm. he just makes things happen. Like, he does it for Toulouse. He does it for France. But that's no excuse for professional players that are are all playing top-level rugby in France. It's not like it's a new game plan. But I just think when it gets to that dogfight, <laughs> they're not able... Which is which is funny because Sean Edwards is there. Even their defence is actually lacking. Like, they're not the same team even on the defensive side of the ball as they and are in attack.
0: discipline is costing them as because well. Because they're
1: petulant. The French can be petulant. They throw their toys out of the pram if things aren't going well. And and then it knocked on with like, do you know, just bad decisions, poor kicks, throwing the ball, looking at each other and giving out. Uh, the red card did not help. Mm-hmm. But I mean, even at that, like how many months are we talking now about the tackle? Light? Mm-hmm. Do you know? And there's Dante coming off. No effort. No effort. It wasn't obviously the worst of collisions we've seen, but he was stand-up, there was no mitigation and he didn't make an effort to dip. So, I mean, what do you want here? Yeah. Like, it definitely swung the momentum of the game, uh, the red cards. I think France would have got over the line and got the win if he stayed on the field, but he didn't. Um, and I just think, yeah, they're, they're just lacking now and it's kind of a spiral and I think they will continue now and if they don't kind of put a you know, hit the brakes, they're going to look at probably me there saying they're going to be top two in the fight with Ireland and now they could be kind of down fourth, fifth.
0: Yeah. Well, we have a very interesting few weeks ahead. We'll leave it there for today's show. Ireland are in a very good position heading into the break week. My thanks to Lindsay and to Johnny. In case you didn't know, Joe.ie have a brand new podcast. It's a comedy podcast called You Must Be Joking with Eric Lawler and Willa White. So far, they've had Des Bishop, PJ Gallagher and John Collery as guests. This week's guest is Kevin McGarren, and he'll be on the show on Thursday. So be sure to subscribe and get listening. We'll be back again on House of Rugby next week. Until then, from all of us here, Slongafold. Sports Show presents House of Rugby.